This is Religion Today with Martin Tanner, a weekly look at religion and spirituality here at home and around the world. Now, here's your host, Martin Tanner. Welcome. This is Religion Today. I'm your host, Martin Tanner. I am pleased to introduce our studio guest today. Steve Densley Jr. is with Fair. LDS.org. I'm not going to say the long name of the organization because I want you to go to their website. FairLDS.org is a great, uh, it's a great organization that defends the faith and answers questions from people who may have a question about the LDS faith that they don't know. He's the producer of Fair's podcast and the chair of their public relations committee. Welcome to KSL. Thank you, Martin. It's glad I'm glad to be here. We have you here today to talk about this great but a little bit sensitive topic. Uh, not too long ago, the Washington Post on February 14th had this headline that basically called on Mitt Romney to stop the LDS Church from performing uh, baptisms for the dead for Jews. And th- there's this whole controversy, and people are wondering. Are you kidding me? And I, I wanted you to come in today to talk a little bit more about baptisms from the dead from the LDS perspective and some of the recent controversies surrounding that practice in the LDS church so that people can understand it a bit better. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity to do this, Martin. Baptisms for the dead is something that uh, means more to me than almost any other concept in the church. When I think about the things I love about the Mormon religion, baptisms for the dead is is at the top of the list. And it's it's confusing and it's disheartening when people who are, are outside our religion take offense at what we're doing. Uh, it's, it's something, frankly, that I find very difficult to understand. I, I think in over the last few weeks, as this whole controversy uh, with with Mitt Romney has has emerged, um, and as I've read a lot of what's been reported, read a lot of the comments people have made online, it's helped me to understand their perspective a little better. Um, but you know, this goes back a number of years, where um, a woman named Helen Radke was uh, researching. Holocaust victim names in the LDS database, and she uh, she actually went to the uh, family history library officials, and she told them, "I'll give you all these names for thirty thousand dollars," and they refused to, uh, to 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 take her money, and so she went instead to the Jewish Holocaust group that um, uh, she felt like you know might be. Um, really inflamed by this and and apparently they paid her for these names and that's where a lot of this controversy began because you know Helen Radke is out there outright misrepresenting what the church does and what our beliefs are you know I think there, there are some people that simply misunderstand what our intentions are what we think we're doing and other people that know better you know, Helen Radke is one of those that she knows what we're doing and she chooses to willfully misrepresent what we're doing in order to inflame controversy. And it's sometimes hard to understand why people would do that. But but to me, she's a little bit like uh, somebody who uh, feels the rush of power that comes through vandalizing something that's beautiful. <laughs> you know, I, I, I can't understand why else she would want to do this, but it, it's clearly not... Um, 
The Borman view of baptism for the dead is clearly not the way in which she is representing it to others and the, uh, the way in which uh, many people are reporting um, the way in which we perform these ordinances in the press. It's been a while, but I've gone the rounds a few times with Helen Redkey myself, so I, I certainly sympathize. Why don't we start off with what the whole concept of baptism for the dead is within the LDS faith, because, hey, almost any Christian would remember that there is actually a scripture in the New Testament that talks about baptisms for the dead. It's in 1 Corinthians. Um, but most people don't know much more than that because other Christian faiths, with few exceptions, um, don't practice it or don't really have any kind of an idea what it meant in ancient Christian times. So let's talk about how the LDS view baptisms for the dead. Well, Mormons point to John chapter 3, verse 5 primarily, uh, where Jesus taught that except a man be born of water and in the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, there are some people that try to interpret this metaphorically. Uh, to me, it's clear that Jesus intends this to be literal, because you, you look at other verses where John or, or, or Jesus comes to John the Baptist to be baptized. And the scriptures say, John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. And later Jesus himself said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Clearly, Jesus taught baptism is essential to salvation. And so that raises this really difficult conundrum. What about all of those people who died without ever having heard of Jesus Christ, let alone of baptism? And it was something that was on the mind of the prophet Joseph Smith. He had a vision in 1823, oh no, in 1836, where he saw his brother who died in 1823 at the age of 25 before the restoration of the gospel, before the keys of performing baptism had been restored. And he saw his brother Alvin in the celestial kingdom. And he was, he was confused about this, and he was told by the voice of the Lord, all who have died without a knowledge of this gospel, who would have received it, had they been permitted to tarry, shall be heirs of the celestial kingdom of God. Now, it wasn't clear, I don't think, to Joseph Smith even at the time how that's effectuated, but in 1840, he's giving a sermon at the... Um, a funeral a, sermon. A, a funeral mm -hmm. sermon at Seymour um, uh, Brunson, who was a member of the Nauvoo High Council. And as he's quoting this, this, this uh, proof text from Paul to try to prove that baptism for the dead, uh, well, or to try to prove that resurrection is a true principle, and he refers to baptism for the dead, Joseph Smith sees a woman in the audience who had lost an unbaptized child. And he invokes those words of Jesus, where he talks about you have to be baptized in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, and said, this widow should have glad tidings in this thing. And he went on to say that people could now act for friends who had departed in this life and that the plan of salvation was calculated to save all who were willing to obey the requirements of the laws of God. And so people got really excited about this and started doing baptisms for the dead. And, um, and, and so since then, our understanding has, has evolved somewhat. <clears throat> the, the purpose, the, the, way it's, the proper way in which we should carry these things out um, <clears throat> has um, 
uh, I guess, well, it's evolved to the point where now there's a real emphasis on performing these ordinances for your direct ancestors. This is something we do to help tie our families together. And it's really not appropriate to be going and, and looking for names of celebrities or people with whom we, we have great sympathy, uh, members of, of the groups who died during the Jewish Holocaust. Um, we may feel uh, great compassion for them and, and want to extend any help that we can to them, um, but the church has asked us to focus on our uh, our own relatives unless we have the approval or the, the uh, consent of the nearest li li living relative of those people. Absolutely. And the point of all this is for salvation, for those who have already died, who have not had a chance to hear about Jesus Christ, or if they heard, have not had the chance to be baptized. And it's it's a beautiful and it's a wonderful principle. No dead bodies are baptized, um, as is occasionally believed. Um, there is no belief that somehow a departed person is coerced into accepting the church. No baptisms for the dead result in increased numbers on the membership roles of the church. This is something that is, as near as I can tell, completely um, altruistic. We are just about to the end of this segment of the show. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more with our guest, um, Steve Densley Jr., who's with us from FairLDS.org, about baptisms for the dead, the LDS view, perhaps what some of the misconceptions are, and some other fascinating details. So stay tuned. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. We'll be right back after this. Religion Today with Martin Tanner on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back. This is Religion Today. If you'd like to send me an email with a question or comment or thought, whatever it may be, send it to martinstanner at gmail.com. If you're just joining us, our guest this show hour is Steve Densley Jr. He's with FairLDS.org. He's the producer of FAIR's podcast, and he's the chair of their Public Relations Committee. You know, when we took our break, we were talking about some of the misconceptions that people have about the LDS view of baptism for the dead. Maybe we could jump off uh, at that point again, Steve, and talk to people about, about the issue. Right. Well, it's hard for me and many Mormons to understand, you know, in our view, if you don't have baptisms for the dead, you're forced to choose between an unjust God who would allow unbaptized people to enter heaven, even though he has decreed that you have to be baptized to enter heaven, or an unmerciful God who would damn the innocent uh, by preventing people from entering heaven who have never heard of Jesus Christ or had the opportunity to be baptized. 
you know, so we, we ask ourselves, why would people take offense at this? And, and I think one of the keys is that people come to this issue with some preconceived notions about what baptism means and, and what it is. Um, they've got the image of the Mormons going out door to door trying to convert people. And, and, you know, the message that we have is that we have something that you're lacking, that, you know, you need to change. And, you know, I can understand how sometimes people take offense at that. And so I think partly in the background, that's what's going on because there's a message that we have something they don't but you know in truth what religion you know would exist that didn't believe it had something unique to offer so i don't think it's really fair to criticize mormons for taking the view that we have something um, unique to to offer that that they don't have uh, but i think the, the explicit thing that people say is that we are forcing people to change their religion or change their ethnicity. And um, I think that comes out of their own experience with baptism or uh, the experience they see around them that many people follow where infants are baptized against their will. There, there's, there's no way to determine that the infant has decided to accept this baptism, and yet they become a member of the church. Um, you know, they uh, are initiated by this ordinance, and, um, you know, so I can see how, you know, the parallel is that if we are baptizing people, it must be the same, that we are imposing our church membership or um, I guess maybe even changing the ethnicity of people who have not chosen to enter into that ritual but that simply is not the way Mormons view baptism we don't add the names of people who are baptized for the dead to our church membership roles we don't consider them to have changed their ethnicity or even to have changed their religion it's an invitation that we make to people who have passed on to the next life to accept this ordinance a little bit like opening a door and whether somebody chooses to walk through it or not is entirely up to them Right. And I think one of the things that would really help turn around the perceptions, it would, it would really um, deflate this controversy and help people understand our perspective, if more members of the church went out there on the Internet where there are articles, where you know misrepresentations or mis misunderstandings are um, spread, <clears throat> if people would go onto comment boards and share the view that we have of, of baptism for the dead and... Uh, how we really, we, we, how we honestly view it as Mormons. I think if people understood that, that it would be much less likely to take offense. Um, and that's one of the main reasons that FAIR has created an organization called MormonVoices.org. Mormon Voices was created to help clear up some of these misperceptions that sometimes uh, exist in the press. And it's a way to help bring Mormons together to um, find out what's going on in the press and to help remedy some of the, the, uh, the things that are uh, going wrong in some of the articles and some of the comments that are made to those articles. Absolutely. One of the things that's been fascinating for me to take a look at over the years is the way that different scholars and religious uh, organizations and faiths view 1 Corinthians 15.29. <laughs> and it's fascinating because some people say, oh, you know, Paul did not cite this with approval. <laughs> and as we discussed in the break, if you're trying to say there is a resurrection aren't you going to come up with something you approve of to sort of make that argument it's just bizarre to me that people wouldn't think that's real um, we were talking during our break also about the way early Christians viewed baptism for the dead Stephen and I thought maybe you could give our listening audience some insights 
into that because it was a part of early Christianity. It wasn't just some obscure quote by Paul and nothing else. It was going on in early Christians. Right. Well, you know, if we start with 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where Paul says, what shall they do that are baptized for the dead? If the dead not, if the dead rise not at all, why are they then baptized for the dead? Uh, some scholars have identified as many as 40 different interpretations for that verse. But the only interpretation that makes sense to me is that Paul is trying to convince people that the resurrection is real. And in order to do that, he uses this example of people baptizing for the dead. And he's saying, why would they do that if the dead don't don't rise at all. And <clears throat> some people have said, well, he's, he's talking about heretical practices. Um, he's, 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 he's using some kind of um, analogy. That he's not being literal. Uh, but I guess if you use the analogy of uh, maybe an evangelical who's been taught that Mormons aren't Christians and they're members of a cult, but then one week the pastor's trying to convince members of his congregation that the resurrection is real. And he says, well, why would the Mormons perform baptism for the dead if the dead don't rise at all? Why do the Mormons baptizing for the dead? You can just imagine one of the uh, members of the congregation standing up in horror and saying, but I thought that you told us that Mormons aren't Christian. Why are you using Mormons as an example to prove <laughs> the resurrection is real? So obviously Paul believes in, in, he believes in the resurrection and he believes in baptisms for the dead. And there's evidence that early Christian groups did too. Uh, there, there are all kinds of references that are made. Now, <clears throat> initially we have some references in early Christian documents such as the Shepherd of Hermas or Epistus Sophia. Uh, later, as time goes on, by about the 3rd or 4th century, we start seeing references to heretical groups. that are they, they are practicing baptisms for the dead, but then the church is starting to look askew at this practice. Um, as late as St. Augustine. Uh, St. Augustine noted that a few who believed that the custom was part of the gospel, according to which the work of substitutes for the dead was effective, and the numbers of the dead were laved with the waters of baptism, he, he was speaking critically of these heretical groups that were performing baptisms for the dead. So clearly, baptism for the dead was performed by early Christian groups. So one of the questions, I think, is why did they stop? And there is some evidence that this, the baptisms for the dead were considered what are called part of the disciplinia, uh, disciplinia arcani, or um, you know observances that are kind of you know restricted uh, disciplines that are kept secret, and so we don't read much about them. Um, but other scholars have have uh, speculated that that if we uh, say that baptism for the dead is um, a, a true doctrine, that in some respect we're um, not. Uh, we were de-emphasizing the power of the church because we're saying it doesn't really matter what you do in this life. You can go be baptized later. We'll, we'll do it for you. And so you can act however you want to, and you don't even need to come to church. And so as a way to consolidate power of the church, they started to de-emphasize this practice. But it's not all that much different than practices that are that are still carried on today. Uh, different groups, uh, every major religion performs some kind of work for the dead in the sense that either they, they may pray for the dead or they may even do things such as offer food to the dead. Um, you know, and so to say that this is some kind of bizarre or offensive practice, uh, I think is out of line considering other groups do things for the dead. We happen to believe baptism is necessary to enter the kingdom of God. And so this is something that we feel like we're able to offer people after this life. It's a, it's a wonderful practice and it's one of the most um, beautiful ones that's part of the LDS faith. 
Steve, thanks you for joining us today. Steve Densley, Jr. of FairLDS.org. If you would like any information, if you'd like to ask them any question, um, send them an email. FairLDS.org, great organization. Thanks for coming, Steve. Thanks for having me, Martin. My pleasure. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. Join me again next week when we talk more about religion and related things right here on KSL Radio. Join me then.